Welcome to what I anticipate to be one of the strongest contributions to Albert Camus Radio this year. In this episode, you will hear from Peter Francev, longtime contributor to Camus Studies, editor of several books on Camus, speaking about a very fascinating topic, Camus and empathy. Enjoy Dr. Peter Francev's 2021 contribution to the Albert Camus Society. Oh, oh now we will hear from Peter Francev on the myth of Sisyphus and the question of empathy. You have the floor, sir. Thank you, Eric, and thank you everyone for attending today's conference. Um, as many of you have seen a kind of pattern over the last few years, um, I really am interested in this idea of empathy and Kim's use of empathy with regards to his works, um, namely empathy rooted in the works of, or um, in Edith Stein's on the problem, problem of empathy. So I'll skip the background information on Stein um, just because I think everyone here has either heard or is familiar with Stein and empathy. And I think I'll just jump right into it. The myth of Sisyphus was begun in 1940 and it was Camus' intent to have the essay be published by Gallimard alongside the stranger as a way to help explain the philosophy of the absurd as it was demonstrated in Rousseau's actions. However, the essay's publication was delayed several months as Nazi censors were not too pleased with the supplemental essay appendixed at the end of the myth of Sisyphus. Uh, hope, in the work, hope and the absurd in the work of Franz Kafka. In the Piet edition of Camus' works, the myth contains the original three sections, an absurd reasoning, the absurd man, absurd creation, as well as Camus' retelling of the myth of Sisyphus and the essay on Kafka. For the purpose of this essay and, the forth and my forthcoming research, Camus' ideas on empathy reside only in two sections of the myth, an absurd reasoning and the absurd man. And this is where I shall concentrate my analysis. Absurdity and suicide. The four subsections of an absurd reasoning constitute what I believe to be the philosophical or theoretical elements of Camus' philosophy of the absurd. It is here in an absurd reasoning that Camus indulges his readers on what exactly the philosophy of the absurd is and how individuals are to overcome the despondency that sometimes arises with the realization that the universe is absurd and ultimately indifferent. In the section Absurdity and Suicide, Camus begins with a shocking opening that is reminiscent of the opening of The Stranger. Quote, there is but one truly, truly, there is but one truly serious philosophical problem and that is suicide. Judging whether or not, judging whether life is or is not worth living amounts to answering the fundamental question of philosophy, end quote. Notwithstanding the Cartesian debate, Camus holds that it is the question of absurdity that must first be addressed before any kind of philosophical investigation can occur. Presupposing that the individual has overcome the initial question of absurdity and not committed suicide, then the individual will be faced with what Camus believes to be the divorce between man and his life, where man feels an alien, stranger. 
Therefore, broadly speaking, I propose that Stein's concept of empathy is postulated in her treatise on the problem of empathy should offer a kind of cure to the feelings of alienation and outsideness that the absurd seems to convey in the, indivi in the individual. Like Camus' philosophy of the absurd, which is entirely rooted in a single person, Stein's philosophy on empathy holds that the individual, represented as an I, senses, thinks, feels, and wills. The living body of this I not only fits into my phenomenal world, but is itself the center of orientation of such a phenomenal world. It faces this world and communicates with me. It is the eye of individuality that presupposes the existential self that will, over time, according to Camus, come to realize that life itself is absurd. It is through this thinking being that is able to reject the meaninglessness of life and to choose finding meaning in the meaninglessness by revolting against the absurdity. It is the revolt that gives life its meaning. If we think of Camus and Stein's philosophies from a comparative perspective, then we can see that Camus' philosophy of the absurd could be taken in a macro sense. That is, it is applicable to all individuals, whereas Stein's philosophy of empathy is more akin to a micro philosophy as it is concerned with the individual. I am well aware that critics will immediately point back to Camus' philosophy of the absurd and claim that it is also an individualistic philosophy. However, I would agree, I would argue that whilst Camus intends for his audience to individually think of the absurdity of existence, it is Stein's philosophy on empathy that is rooted within the individual I, as we can see in the previous paragraph. Nevertheless, one can surmise that Stein's I and Camus' philosophy of the absurd intersect to create the individual's awareness of empathy within the confines of the absurd. What comes next is how we explicate the ways in which Stein and Camus' philosophies come together. Stein believes that empathy does not have the character of outer perception, though it does have something in common with outer perception. In both cases, the object itself is present here and now. We have come to recognize our, we have come to recognize outer perception as an act giving primordial, primordially, but through empathy, it is not outer perception, that is not to say it does not have this primordiality. Camus holds that in order to overcome the meaninglessness of life, the absurdity, if you will, one must escape death, that is, prolong death's arrival as long as possible by using logical thought. Taken together, we can examine the primordiality of perception of the givenness of the meaninglessness of life. I see Stein's concept of empathy as a way to bridge inner and outer perception. For example, if we follow Camus' postulation that when individuals use logical thought as a means to demonstrate the primordiality of outer perception, which allows the individual to come closer to inner perception, it is the individual's inner perception that brings about the world through the perceptions, and it is through empathy that the individual is able to understand and recognize those moments that are outside of the inner perception, that is to say, our outer perceptions. If an individual has climbed a mountain, say, 
Mount Everest, for example, the mountain climber will be able to use empathy as a way to connect his inner perceptions of thoughts, feelings, and emotions connected to a fellow climber who has summited the peak five minutes later, five years prior, or five years into the future. It is the individual climber's inner perception that helps afford the individual the opportunity to be empathetic towards the connection with the other's inner and outer perceptions. And while Stein would argue that the two climbers could not, could not have possibly had an empathetic experience because of their individuality as being unique to their own existences, Camus would counter argue that for everything begins with consciousness and nothing is worth anything except through it. Thus, if my understanding of Camus' quote is on point, then for Camus, it is not the empathetic experiences that bring the individuals together, but it is their consciousnesses joined together in the moment of empathy. And I would argue, argue further that it can also be seen in a sympathetic connection as well. Another point to be raised is, does the aforementioned apply to Heidegger's concept of anxiety? Because one would argue that it does, that anxiety fills the void left by the imbalance between empathy and sympathy. And the Heideggerian anxiety element is something that I need to expand on later. Absurd walls. I would argue that existential loneliness existential isolation and existential anxiety of being towards death would be found within the confines of Camus' absurd walls. The anxiety-ridden individual is metaphorically trapped by one's being towards death that is coupled with the notion of absurdity that life is meaningless because of death. If the beginning of everything that Camus holds then one needs only to look at consciousness and through conscious individuals come to empathy. Yes, Consciousness of the absurd can lead to the anxiety of existence, but I would postulate that it is the consciousness of the absurd from the uniquely Camusian point of view that eclipses anxiety by providing individuals with their starting point to overcome the absurdity of the existence of life. Consciousness is then the starting point for the individual to overcome anxiety and the Camusian absurd walls. Empathy, therefore, becomes a way for individuals to connect with one another in any given situation. For example, let us briefly look at three of Camus' most well-known protagonists, Merceau from The Stranger, Ryu from The Plague, and Jean-Baptiste Clemence from The Fall. With Merceau and Clemence, it is probably difficult for the reader to empathize, or even sympathize for that matter, with their situations. Merceau does not cry at his mother's funeral, he is indifferent towards his partner Marie's advances and declarations of love. He shoots an Arab dead, seemingly in cold blood, with calculated indifference. And he is dispassionate when it comes to his interrogation, trial, and sentencing. Ironically, he seems only to demonstrate any kind of emotion at the very end of his life when he assaults the prison chaplain brought in to help give him his last rites, even though he refuses the chaplain three times. In Clemence's case, he supposedly defends widows and orphans whilst practicing law in Paris. He appears to be callous in his treatment and commentary of those around, men, around him, either on the streets or within the confines of the Amsterdam bar, Mexico City. The major incident that seems to separate Clemence from others is his casual indifference towards the young woman's suicide on the Pont des Arts. 
the egregiousness with which Clemence's matter of fact the egregiousness with which Clemence matter-of-factly states that he does nothing irks the vast majority of readers into thinking that Clemence and his absurdian forerunner Merceau are some kind of deviant sociopaths of society. Of the aforementioned characters, only Ryu the doctor demonstrates any kind of empathetic qualities and is the one person who readers empathize with, especially when Ryu must care for the prefect's dying son, Jacques Gothion. George Heffernan holds that, quote, for its part, despite his refreshing skepticism in regard to traditional academic philosophy, Camus singled out Husserl's phenomenology for what was, by his standards, a sustained critique in the myth of Sisyphus, end quote. Whilst attacking Husserl's phenomenology, Camus sets up the argument that it is consciousness that makes us aware of the world and our surroundings. It is through consciousness that Camus is able to bypass Husserlian phenomenology and demonstrate an affinity for Stein and empathy. And this is something that we can see in the majority of Camus' fictional works. Uh, I'll skip the next paragraph. In the myth of Sisyphus, Camus holds that quote, this world is not reasonable but what is absurd is the confrontation of this irrational and the wild longing for clarity whose call echoes in the human heart. The absurd depends as much on man as on the world. For the moment, it is all that links them together. It binds them one to the other as only hatred can weld two creatures together, end quote. It is through empathy that, <clears throat> that the absurd world, absurd universe and or the absurd existence is understood. And through this understanding, the individual can come to terms with his or her own placement in such an environment before embarking upon the basis from which to understand, sympathize, and eventually empathize with the other. In fact, I would argue that it is, that it is empathy that, in Heffernan's words, quote, aims to enumerate what, can, what it cannot transcend, end quote. Not to mention quote, from the moment absurdity is recognized, it becomes a passion, the most harrowing of all, end quote. Working backwards from the previous quotes, I think what we have before us is the most fundamental element of Camus' philosophy of the absurd, in that once the individual recognizes the absurdity of life, there is a kind of emptiness, an anxiety, a panic that grips the individual in such a way that if not addressed quickly, it can lead to paralysis that can be quite difficult to overcome. Um, Heffernan's understanding of Husserlian phenomenology, if my comprehension is spot on, holds that, broadly speaking, phenomenology has the ability to explain that which cannot transcend. And whilst I agree with both Camus and Heffernan's points, I would contend that if we bring Stein's empathy into the equation, then it is the variable needed to help the understand, to help the absurd individual connect, transcend, and understand the other. In fact, I would argue that empathy is needed in order to exist in an absurd universe with others. In philosophical suicide, individuals have overcome the trappings of absurd walls and are now looking for a way to find meaning in the meaningless universe. They have to come, they have come to accept the meaninglessness. However, that does not prevent the individual from continuing their search for meaning. Camus believes that a man is always prey to his truths. He cannot free himself from them. 
a man who has become conscious of the absurd is forever bound to it. What Camus means here is that once the individual recognizes the absurdity of the existence, then there is no proverbial escape into the sense that the epistemological truth of the absurd is inescapable, and to try and deny that truth would be to commit bad faith. Nevertheless, Camus wants individuals to see the absurd, but also to embrace it, because through their coming to terms with the absurd, they are able to fight against the meaninglessness and are standing in the midst of philosophical suicide. Camus states that, quote, and carrying this absurd logic to its conclusion, I must admit that the struggle implies a total absence of hope, which has nothing to do with despair, a continual rejection, which must not be confused with renunciation, and a con conscious dissatisfaction, which must not be compared to immature unrest. Everything that destroys, conjures away, or exercises these requirements, and to begin with, consent which overthrows divorce, ruins the absurd, and devaluates this attitude that may have been proposed, end quote. When the individual overcomes absurd walls and enters the philosophical suicide phase of absurdity, he is faced with the duality of existence of his situation, either reject his fate and confront the one truly philosophical problem, suicide, or accept his fate and, <clears throat> excuse me, accept his fate and find meaning within the meaninglessness of the universe vis-a-vis -vis the act of rebellion. Rebellion gives life meaning. It is the tension of rebellion that it is the tension of rebellion against meaninglessness that also affords the individual to closely examine life so that meaning is ultimately found, but also that the individual can see how meaning figures into one's existence. Of course, we should note that it is possible for the individual to undergo an existential crisis and face the existential dread of living. Thus, the question, is life worth leaving? remains, as does the possibility of one committing suicide as an escape. The primary focal point of philosophical suicide is consciousness, and it is through consciousness that the individual can come to an empathetic understanding of the other. However, before we can, <clears throat> before we can expound upon that line of thinking, we must look at how Camus arrives to that conclusion. Camus remarks that, quote, the inability to understand becomes the existence that illuminates everything, end quote. It is through one's lack of understanding that the clarity of the world comes into focus through Husserl's use of epoche. With the epoche, the individual is afforded the opportunity to suspend all judgment. For the judgment, so for the, for the individual, when judgment is suspended, choices and decisions and logical qualifications are not leveled by the individual. Therefore, it is entirely possible that when the individual is trapped by the tension created in the philosophical suicide, that is, knowing that one must find meaning, otherwise the individual will lose meaning and thus be confronted with the question of whether or not life is worth living. Husserl's use of epoche affords a suspension so that the individuals can take time to understand the situation at hand. Here, it is Camus' theory of consciousness that illuminates the readers coming to terms with empathy and the absurd. Consciousness illuminates it by paying attention to it. Conscious does not, consciousness does not form the object of its understanding. It merely focuses, it is the act of attention. Consciousness suspends 
in experience the objects of its of its atten attention. With consciousness's illumination, it affords the individual the opportunity to stop and assess the situation at hand. Where empathy comes into play is where the individual becomes conscious of his being in the world. He will first be able to utilize Epoche in order to ground himself in this logically inconsistent universe. Once that happens, the individual will be able to survive philosophical suicide. And as such, before the individual moves towards absurd freedom, he will have a unique perspective about his existence in the absurd universe, which will afford him the ability to remain both sympathetic and more importantly, empathetic towards the existential crises, the existential cries of his fellow human beings. We know that if the, hum we know that if the individual understands and embraces philosophical suicide, then he or she comes to absurd freedom. <laughs> Absurd freedom is the final section in the absurd reasoning section of the myth, and it marks the end of what I call the philosophical or theoretical element of the absurd, whereas absurd or absurd creation constitute the practical elements of the absurd. In absurd reasoning, Camus offers his criticisms of several existentialist, existentialist philosophers denoting how why and in what ways his philosophy of the absurd is a critique against his predecessors. Then he launches into his exposition on the practicality of the absurd's application in the three outstanding categories of living, Don Juanism, conquest, and drama. However, before I can proceed, I'll look more closely at absurd freedom. And I know I've got about 10 minutes left. Absurd freedom is the freedom that the individual finds himself accepting the fact that life is temporarily, temporary, fleeting, and illogically absurd due to the lack of meaning in the universe. Camus remarks that within the absurd freedom, it is, Camus remarks that it is within absurd freedom that individuals come to accept it fully. It is through the full acceptance of the absurd that the individual is able to move forward face the absurd head on and embrace life by finding a personal meaning to a meaningless universe. As far as Camus is concerned, quote, to abolish conscious revolt is to elude the problem. Living is keeping the absurd alive, keeping the absurd, keeping the absurd alive is above all contemplating it. Here, Camus informs his readership that ignoring the questioning of the meaning of life is basically to succumb to the vortex of meaninglessness and as such, the individual's life is thus negated due to the lack of meaning that drives the individual forward into the abyss of life. No, Camus does not advocate this despondent outlook that makes an already difficult life even more challenging. Camus wants his readers to choose conscious revolt in order to rebel against the meaninglessness of life. By consciously rejecting the meaninglessness of the absurd universe and an absurd life, the individual can rebel against that meaninglessness find meaning and embrace that meaning. This is precisely the conscious revolt that Camus speaks of. So the question, what does absurd freedom have to do with empathy is raised. Camus contends that, quote, the absurd escapes suicide to the extent that it is simultaneously awareness and rejection of death, end quote. This duality helps shape the individual's reception to the recognition that the absurd is tricky in the sense 
that it is really the most fundamental question of philosophy as Camus posits, or it is the second truth of philosophy as Kimberly Bowser Duray argues in her excellent historical essay, Absurdism, the Second Truth of Philosophy. I will not engage in a Cartesian Camusian debate on which came first, the cogito or absurdism. I will, however, try to elucidate on the notion that it is through the individual's recognition of the seriousness of a lack of meaning in life with which he is presented that can be seen in negative terms where the individual must choose to either exist in a meaningless world or commit suicide. Whilst Camus does not judge individuals who opt to commit suicide, noting that it is their personal choice, he does in fact advocate for their choosing of life and the search of meaning. It is evident that if the individual commits suicide, then there is no way that he will be able to find meaning, reject the absurdity of the universe, or come to terms with his own existential crisis. Camus goes on to say, that revolt gives life its value. And it is this revolt, the revolt of finding meaning in a seemingly meaningless universe that presents the individual with the option to at least have a choice in determining as whether or not there should be or can be meaning to life. Of course, Camus says that it is up to the individual to find meaning which is unique to his own lived experience. And that one's meaning of life is as different as the next person. Yes, revolt gives life its value, as Camus mentions, but what we have with regard to the absurd and empathy is that once the revolt against meaninglessness occurs, the individual must decide what the meaning entails. For example, I am well aware that life and the universe are meaningless because of death and death's ability to negate life. Yet I do not see suicide as an option for rebelling against meaningless meaninglessness. I'm not a nihilist, as Camus would put it, with the only option of suicide as a way to overcome, rebel, and prove that life is meaningless. Instead, I, hear, I adhere to Camus' philosophy in so much as I rebel against meaninglessness. I revolt by acknowledging that life is indeed meaningless, no thanks to death, but nevertheless, I choose to rebel. I choose to revolt, and by doing so, I am a rebel a revolutionary against the meaninglessness of life, and I seek my own personal meaning. Since I have not committed suicide, and I choose, conscious, I choose to consciously rebel each and every day against the meaninglessness, I have found meaning. And to further expound upon that meaning, if I can wake up and face my day knowing that it is entirely possible that I die today, but know that I'm going to live this day and each future day to its fullest, then I have succeeded in my rebellion, my revolution, and my ability to find meaning. I will, when I am in the lecture hall, try to instill as much knowledge in my students as possible. I will, when I am, when I am home, try to be the best father I can be for my children. I will also strive to be the best partner I can be that, so that my partner, my children, and my students can look back on my life at the end of my life and honestly admit to themselves that I was the best partner, father, and professor that I could have been, and that if given the opportunity to live it all over again, that they would not want a different partner, father, or professor. My meaning, as I suspect of Camus, too, entails empathy. I cannot imagine living my life without being empathetic towards my fellow human being. I believe that even though Camus does not explicitly state what the absurd allows for, in empathetic understanding, it is there. 
Certainly there are Camuian characters like Merceau, Caligula, and Clemence who seem to spurn empathy, but I believe that it is because Camus did not, for whatever reasons, develop the characters as empathetic in order to differentiate and exclude them from the rest of society. This is not to say Camus' characters are totally devoid of empathy, quite the, quite the contrary. To find empathetic characters, one only needs to look at the plague, where Bernard Rieu, Jean Taru, Raymond Rambert, and Joseph Grand are all empathetic in their own unique ways. And this is to say nothing of Camus' journalistic writings, namely those focusing on Algeria. Nevertheless, it is important that we keep an open mind as we move towards the individuals who represent the absurd man, the Don Juan character, the conqueror, and the actor, as each of these individuals will, in their own ways, come to exemplify the absurd and its relationship with empathy. And I think I'll stop there for lack of time. <laughs>